Welcome back to the Fix the Money podcast. I'm now connected to Mexico City, actually, where the weather is not as hot as it's in Vienna right now, which is surprising. And I'm talking to Jose Lemus. He's the founder and CEO of IBEX. Um, you know, IBEX from IBEX Pay, um, Lightning Network, etc. And that's what we're going to talk to uh, talk about today. Hi, Jose. Hi, Nico. How's it going? Um, very well. A little bit hot, like I just said, because it's in here in Austria, it's... Um, It's obligatory if it's if it's like if it's warm for one day you have to start to complain about it, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's that's we've got that covered. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company? I think that would be a good start. Absolutely, uh, Nico. So um, myself, I'm from Guatemala. Uh, we started Ibex with my brother back in 2017, 2018. I was living in Rotterdam at the time. Um, we started basically as an OTC market. So nothing too exciting there. Uh, just trying to provide access to Bitcoin to people. Then as time went on, we, uh, we and the El Salvador news happened, we pivoted into the lightning technology space And we developed the first merchant payment solution for brick and mortar stores over Lightning with instant fiat conversion. And we also built, you know, what is now our core product, which we call Ibex Hub, which is just a set of APIs that you can call easily to, uh, you know, integrate Lightning and uh, Bitcoin payments into your products and services. So if this actually allowed us to, you know, provide the lightning infrastructure for the Salvadorian government at the start. So we were doing, uh, you know, pretty much all of lightning payments in El Salvador for a while there. Now, that's uh, kind of what brought us into the lightning space. And since then, that's 2021. We've been a little bit over, what is it? almost nearing two years uh, operating lightning infrastructure and operating the payment solution yeah so you were you were involved in the El Salvadorian project from the start not from the start we were basically kind of called in to pinch hit what happened was that the uh, in the lead up to to the law going live, there was basically nobody that had, you know, APIs that you could easily integrate uh, so that you could run your solution or run Lightning on your product, mm -hmm. on your app. Uh, and we were basically the only ones at that time. And so we got the tap on the shoulder and, and we were able to integrate Lightning into Chivo in the span of something over seven days, just shy of close enough that that is because you know el salvador opened itself up to this and wanted to do this mm -hmm. but um you know my question would be what's the biggest obstacle right now when you when you look around when when there's companies wanting to implement uh bitcoin and lightning what, what do you think is the biggest obstacle is it regulation is it is it taxes is it knowledge well a little bit is on the technology side uh Because, you know, there's still some technological stuff that we got to work through. A lot of it is education. So, 
you know, just um, understanding really what the technology allows for, why it's important, how it works. So, you know, that is also very key. And then finally, and, and a large piece of it is regulation. And here it's a combination of education and regulation, right? Because a lot of, uh, you know, companies uh, are shy about new technology because they don't understand how regulators will treat it. Um, but what, what do you see developing? Is there, is there, it's very hard for me. So I, because we're, you're so far away, right? So I don't <laughs> know what's going on in, in Central America. I don't know what's going on in South America. I did live in Argentina for almost mm -hmm. a year. So I have some idea and I know that inflation is always a topic. You know, people don't necessarily trust the governments as much as they mm -hmm. do in the West, which is, which is stupid to trust them anyway, but here we do, or at least many people do. Mm -hmm. um, so, so in theory, you know, this should be perfect um, ground for Bitcoin to flourish, but it seems like it's not like, you know, it's not popping up at every, at every corner store, is it? No, but let's remember it's a new payments technology, right? And these take a little bit to kind of gain traction, if you will. And while, you know, Bitcoin has been around for quite a bit, really the Lightning Network is very, very new. Like we're basically, mm -hmm. uh, that's three plus three, baby, basically on the fifth year where it's actually been possible to do Lightning payments. And of those five years, about three of them, it was very experimental. So you didn't really know how to open and close channels or why they closed suddenly um back in july 21st uh sorry july of 2021 i remember we kind of were looking into it and 30 percent of payments over lightning were failing mm -hmm. that's you can't run a payments over you know when they fail 30 percent of the time it doesn't work for commerce so It's, uh, and from there, we've slowly, you know, gone up and up and up and up. But it's still, depending on, on the lightning you're using, it's not foolproof yet, right? And that's also kind of like uh, one of the problems with the non-custodial lightning solutions. And I'm going to use non-custodial here in quotes because everything in lightning is custodial as opposed to what's being sold out there. Um You really don't have a non-custodial solution on Lightning by its very nature. And this is part of, you know, that education that we were talking about. Um, so it's very new technology. That's the first thing. How we still get these these articles, you know, and these arguments where people say, you know, you can't use Bitcoin as a currency, as a money for payments because it's too slow. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you, you. So People will tell you this. So what's your, your elevator pitch for the Lightning Network? Before we go into the question how, for, for what or how we can already use it, um, when, you, when you meet someone who doesn't really know about it at all, I mean, how do you explain it? Well, when somebody really doesn't know it at all, or let's say to our customers, which are mostly fintechs and, you know, more traditional customers, uh, what I like to say is, listen, forget about Bitcoin. This is not about it. This is just a superior value transfer network. Because at the end of the day, that's what 
Lightning is at its core. It's the most efficient settlement network the world has ever seen. Hmm. And what this allows for is just a bunch of cool things that we can get into later. But my main elevator pitch is this is not about Bitcoin. This is about transferring money instantly, globally, at any scale. And that is something that has never been able to be done before. So you're, you're basically, you're arguing that Bitcoin is just the, the underlying technology yeah. that makes the Lightning Network work? Yes. But you don't have to you don't have to use or touch Bitcoin in order to use the network's rails for um, payments. Exactly. So is that something that, that resonates with people? Do it, for example, yeah, yeah. It does get them interesting interested, especially when uh, when uh, we demo the technology, and we have within you know our products offering, so Ibex Hub, we have uh, a module which we call stable accounts or fiat accounts which basically, it, you know, any money that goes in or out goes over lightning, right? So Bitcoin. But the moment it touches the account, it gets instantly transferred into fiat. And here fiat can be pretty much any fiat you want. And we work with, uh, you know, depending on the customer, we can work with any custodian, actually as long as they have APIs that we can integrate into. And so what happens then is that you're just sending and receiving money instantly. Is it, I mean, who, who are the customers who are most open and most interested in this right now? Like what type of customers? You don't have to tell me the companies. But... Yeah. So right now, like I said, mostly uh, fintechs, banks, uh, settlement uh operators or networks so you know companies that use uh, either some other type of settlement uh, system like ACH or Swift or Fedwire or something like that you, you can leverage lightning for it and have we have we reached the moment where you think it's not experimental enough it's not experimental anymore it can actually compete with Swift no Right now, we're in the moment of doing POCs and doing, uh, you know, slow rollouts. And I do see, you know, so in, in May, I believe, was Miami, mm -hmm. uh, the conference. Uh, mm -hmm. I was able to announce the first big partnership of its kind with Grupo Salinas, which is a huge Mexican conglomerate. Uh, yeah, Hugo Salinas, right? We, we, we know about him, right? Yeah. But maybe a lot of people don't understand who Grupo Salinas is. So to give you a little bit of explanation, they are uh, as if you take, uh, uh, let's go U.S. because most people know U.S. So let's say you, you took CNBC or Fox or any type of you know network and you combine it with Best Buy and you combine it with uh, Bank of America and you combine it with, uh, let's say, the Patriots or some other football team. And it all had one same owner. And that's what it is for Mexico. Because they have the TV so station, they have the bank, they have a uh, couple of football teams, they have the Best Buy store here in Mexico. And So it is Mexico. It is Mexico, well, basically. Uh, there, there are other big families here as well, but... 
uh, one of the bigger players, yes, in Mexico. And he, they're going to be rolling out, uh, you know, lightning uh, throughout their whole conglomerate. So it's going to be very exciting. And so when I say it's, it's ready to start getting deployed, it's not ready to replace anything yet. For, for starters, let's say, you know, global payments, I think something in the order of $500 trillion gets moved around globally per year. You can't do that with $1 trillion of value. Just, it's impossible. So first of all, Bitcoin has to go way up for this to even be feasible, right? Um, but then beyond that, you, we're in these started starting phases. And technology is not just about technology being ready. It's also about, like I said, education and knowledge and people being comfortable with the technology, knowing they can rely on it. So, for example, we've been in this space well, Bitcoin for a long time now, but let's say operating Lightning for a little over two years now, and we're very comfortable with how it works. But it's not perfect technology, right? But however, we're very comfortable and we're comfortable, you know, storing and moving value through it. But, you know, our customers who are just coming into this, they have to get comfortable with the technology. They got to be able to, you know, understand that it's something that they actually can rely on, that it's not just going to disappear, that the funds are not going to just move and that type of stuff. So, like I said, education, maturity. Yeah. And you need, and you need people who are willing to go beyond traditional, let's say, financial rails and actually financial ideas, I guess. Because, co correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Hugo Salinas Price is the guy behind Grupo Salinas, right? Uh, excuse me, you just cut out for a quick second. The guy behind Grupo Salinas is Hugo Salinas Price, right? No, no, he's uh, Ricardo Salinas. Uh, Ricardo Salinas, I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, maybe I, I, got this, I got this mixed up. But he, he's probably somebody who, is, who knows about you know, financial plumbing and, and the monetary system, and he knows that that alternatives are a good idea. Is that, is that something that, that's correct? or I think there's two th things being combined here. One is, well, he's a very savvy and smart individual and he's come out and he's very pro-Bitcoin, so that helps a lot, right? But the other part of this is that this technology really does allow for things that are not possible with current payments. And so it's also about you know, looking for those things that are going to be innovative enough and are going to help you deliver a new customer experience. Because at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, how do we help our customers better do what they want to do, right? Spend, save, receive money. All of that is very important. This is interesting because I think with the Lightning Network, we are going from, um, you know, solving old problems with, with new technology to actually solving new problems and having new um, features that are not possible with traditional money. Can you give me some examples of, of, of what you think you will be able to do in the future? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for one, and it's not even in the future, you can probably start doing it right now. Things like payment streaming. So for example, your podcast, I could mm -hmm. tune in to your podcast in real time, right? Um, and just pay, you know, per second. So one mm -hmm. cent per second. That, that is possible already. Yeah, true. yeah that, that's something possible. we already do. Yes. But a lot of people don't know this. You can switch, you know, we'll transform the monetization model for most things on the internet. So, you know, mm -hmm. subscription model can be replaced. Uh, advertising model can be replaced. Prepayment model can be replaced because uh, we're able to actually do value for value transfer because we can move it at a, at a small enough scale. And then beyond this, you know, things like IoT finally become viable. The problem with IoT has always been monetization, right? So Internet of Things. And we can only speculate about what happens when machines are able to interact with each other and transfer value with each other and, you know, uh, just not only communicate, but also make payments. So that's going to be... AI, basically. Well, AI is would be the sophisticated part, right? But even something as simple as, you know, you park your Tesla and it automatically, you know, connects to the charger and they're communicating and sending value hmm. without you having to, you know, interact. And then the moment you take a, you, 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 you drive away, right? It cuts off the connection and you just paid for whatever, you know, what you, you received. So the, this is so, yeah. yeah. Go, go on, please. No, no, you. I, I was I was saying it's so fascinating because I remember going to uh, ICO presentations in 2017, talking about exactly this, like streaming money and and charging your electric car and and stuff like only paying for what you actually consume. Yeah. But they were thinking about their own coin. They were not thinking it would be possible on Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, other stuff like, let's say you go into a co-working space, you could pay, you know, by the day, just the minutes you're in there, you can be in the co-working space, go into a phone booth, pay for the phone booth in real time, reserve the, the meeting room in real time, and just pay for whatever amount of time you're using, right? And it, it's all electronic locks at that point that are just, you're streaming sets to it. And it's not really AI that you're using at that point, right? That's that I think is way down the line. This is more immediate. So, when we talk about using the Lightning Network, we can stream any kind of money on it, right? Or we can use any kind of money. That's what yes. you're saying. So we can use the dollar. I can use the euro. We can yeah. use the Mexican peso, uh, because it's 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 interesting for me. I just spent the the, the first half of the day. I basically spent yeah. about the uh, talking about the questions. When are banks going to implement Bitcoin and when are we going to use Bitcoin basically on the old banking rails, like on my on mm -hmm. my banking app, right? But you are talking about the opposite. You're talking about putting the old currency on the new rails. Yeah, exactly. And to, to you know, to better, you know, help, help illustrate this, what we have to understand is um, payments is not about currency. Payments is about settlement, mm -hmm. right? I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I can elaborate a little bit. 
Yes, please elaborate just just to be we are on the same on the same picture. Yes. Okay. So for example, you travel around the world and you're jumping around from, you know, uh Uh, Mexico to Argentina to U the U.S. to maybe, you know, Australia, wherever, mm -hmm. right? And you carry your debit card, your credit card. You're paying everywhere. You're getting debited on your side. You're paying with euros, right? But the merchant has to receive whatever their local currency is. And that's payments. And so mm -hmm. somehow your bank has to send money to the merchant's bank wherever they are over the world. And what this requires is settlement networks because you're going to go from A to B and then in between you have to, you know, change currencies, however it's done. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. right now for this example. But it's a complex operation. But... You know, the merchant doesn't care what your currency is. Like, they, they don't care that your savings account or your credit card account or whatever is in euros. What they're interested in is receiving their local currencies, be it pesos or dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly, okay. yes. And that's what I mean where it, payments is not about the money it's, or the currency, right? It's about settling because the guys that have to, you know, coordinate are the banks that are behind it. And they are the ones that are interested in, okay, how does the value get from A to B? So <clears throat> what I like to say is that with Lightning, what we really have is a superior settlements technology. So the Lightning Network as a pure settlement network, that's how we, we view it, right? And, and we view it that way because Bitcoin really has this unique property among, you know, any of the other, let's call them cryptos, which is it has an enormous amount of depth in their liquidity pools. And it has, you know, the most currency pairs available out there. And what this allows us is to instantly be in and out of Bitcoin at any point in time, right? So the moment we receive Bitcoin in a lightning address, we can pretty much sell it on, on the ex, with our liquidity partners. And the other way around, the moment it needs to go out, we can immediately buy the Bitcoin. So we can be in any fiat currency or any fiat currency that has a direct trading pair with Bitcoin instantly, right? And because we can move it so quickly because we're working on one global database, which is really the fundamental part here. What allows for this is that we're moving, working on just one database globally, right? We're able to move money globally. It's for me, this is the most fascinating part of my, of what I do of my job as a Bitcoin journalist, basically is that I get to talk to so many people and I get to talk to people from all over the world and, and, mm -hmm. and they're work they're basically talk, telling me that Bitcoin is going to revolutionize the world, but in, in, in always in different ways. <laughs> it's, and it's so, it's so fascinating because, mm -hmm. because you, you only see, it's like standing in front of the elephant, right? One, one mm -hmm. guy only sees the, the tail and one guy only sees, sees the, the, the eyes and the mouth. Um, so 
Do you think mm -hmm. that Bitcoin, I don't know how to say this. I mean, there's many people who don't want this to happen. There's many people who, who work in the legacy system who see Bitcoin as a threat. Do you, do you think Bitcoin is still, is, has already won basically, that its existence is already assured? Um, I don't know that Bitcoin uh, has won or its existence is already assured. It is by far a lot closer to that happening than it was, let's say, two years ago or even one year ago. Um, I do see a lot of interest in traditional financial institutions in this technology, especially as, like I explained, a settlement network. And the fact that it can be used like this, like I said, it's starting to, you know, deliver that use case because one of the big arguments by most of these people in the traditional financial industry has been well what's the use case right and traditionally we we told them listen it's a better way to store value but they don't like this right that's where you know you butt heads because um, they don't have the problems of storing value See, most of the people that uh, have been talking about this, they live in a world where they have the exact opposite problem of, let's say, the most poor. And here's the thing. When you're really poor, when you're poor, when you can't like even get a loan and that kind of stuff, right? The only asset you have is your work or your time. And you... You know, you convert that time into money, which, as we know, is a depreciation, depreciating asset. And that's the only asset you can really go into because, you know, you don't work enough to get any other asset. Like your work isn't high enough. So whatever you're able to save, it's just going to get depreciated. Now, when you're let's say on the opposite side of the spectrum, when you're rich or wealthy and you have, you know, more money than you spend or a lot more money than you spend, you have the opposite problem. You have assets that are bringing in cash flow, right? That you have to figure out how to transform into other things that will retain their value. Now, but because you're bringing in so much cash flow, right? You're constantly transforming money into assets like real estate, stocks, or securities, or whatever, right? So your problems are completely opposite. And this is why I don't think most people have got wrapped their head around, you know, what the issue with having a depreciating money is. It's because when you're really poor, you're never going to get out of that hole, right? Because your yardstick is constantly getting moved. Yeah, it's, a, it's horrible. Yeah. And so, and this actually is what is creating the huge divide. So if you see income inequality, it grows and it accelerates the longer this system is in place. And you can go look at the charts for this. And a bunch of people have already explained this better than I have. So you can go look at it and look into income inequality since 1971 yeah. and the, the chart speaks for itself. So um, that was kind of like the old argument, but they didn't get it, right? 
now what we have in Lightning is just a tremendously better settlement network. And this is a tremendous use case, right? And it's really, I think, going to revolutionize how we do business globally. Because it's not just about the examples I just gave, right? This this changes things fundamentally, and I'll get into it in a little bit. But the thing is that now we can tell them, listen, you said there was no use case. You said there was no problem to solve. But listen, here's the problem, and it's real, right? Which is we need to be able to send money faster, and we need to sell it, send it in smaller amounts. And we need to do this globally. And so you, and how I know this problem exists is that you see a bunch of fintechs getting funded and getting built out today that are trying to solve this exact problem. Who are we talking about? TransferWise, now known as Wise. We see Venmo. We see even Cash App. We see all of these people, but the problem they have is they still have to touch, you know, the traditional settlement networks which are not good enough and that's your barrier and the reason they're not good enough is because there's too many databases that need to get coordinated and anytime you switch databases there's a lot of friction involved right so a lot of cost in times and in risk so it's time and risk that really fundamentally are affecting the transfer of of value globally the big advantage that we have with Lightning is that we're working on one single global database. And that's why we can do things that have been previously impossible. And coming back to what I was saying earlier, you know, about how this is going to change things fundamentally is one of the things that we need to educate our clients on, right? Is exactly this. Because in the traditional multiple database settlement network structure, what is most efficient is to group payments and send one large payment. So you take, let's say, a bunch of remittances and you make a, tr a money transfer for $1 million, right? But La Lightning flips this around. For us, it's way better and more convenient to make payments as they come in and for a bunch of reasons that we can get into if you want. But fundamentally, what for us, it's better is to make payments or send the value as it comes in. So let's call it that real-time payments, right? And I equate this kind of like in, in the 80s, it was you would batch computer transactions because processors were better able to handle, you know, transactions in the batches, and that's what they would want to do, right? But now, with the advent of the microprocessor in the 80s, it became better and easier to do real-time processing of your instructions. And this is what allowed really everything that we're seeing today is, is being able to do real-time processing. Now, what happens when we're able to do real-time processing of financial transactions, we still don't know. Fix the Money is brought to you by 21Bitcoin, the easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. 21Bitcoin is a Bitcoin-only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, 
and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2, fix the money. Yes. But this, this is where we're going. Yeah. This is what you're saying. We're doing, we're doing real-time yes. processing and settlement of financial transactions mm -hmm. in a global database that anybody can access from anywhere in the world that, that functions like a protocol, yeah. like the internet, like email. Do you remember when uh, Mark Zuckerberg yeah. talked about Libra? That was his main yeah. argument, right? He said, it's, it doesn't make sense that I can send an email anywhere in the world. I can send a photo mm -hmm. anywhere in the world, but I cannot send money. And, and, and the, re the reaction of the traditional system was mm -hmm. to shut down Libra and to start 160 different mm -hmm. central bank digital currency projects which is totally insane because they, and then, and then every single of those projects has one point where they say, well, but we need mm -hmm. to be interoperable with all the others. <laughs> um, so, so, so where, where does this, where's this going to lead? Do you think, are they really just going to try to copy the, the old world, the analog world into the new world while Bitcoin flourishes or is there going to be a war? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a war. So, if you remember, and this was actually mentioned by somebody to me, so it's not my idea, but it's an interesting analogy. So back in the late 80s, early 90s, PGP was coming along. Uh, PGP, for those that don't know, is pretty good privacy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's basically encryption, right? And actually, encryption before then was considered... Um, I don't like armament or weapon. It was uh, yeah, it was military, it was, right? It was it was something that the the American government. Yes, exactly. This was something the American government said. You know, is is kept for the yeah. military. The private, private people, people are not, not allowed, allowed to, to, to use encryption. It. But then PGP came along, right? And uh, you know, there was a huge lawsuit involving this because what they did to get around it is they published the code in a book. And then it became free speech issue, right? Is code speech and all of that. And that's eventually how it got through. But it was still kind of like being frowned upon if you were doing PGP, using PGP. But what happened next was, you know, financial institutions and banks looked at it and said, oh, we can use this. Like we can use it to keep our customers' data safe and we can use it to transfer safely our customers' data and we can do all of these kind of cool stuff, right? And it became convenient for, you know, financial institutions to use PGP and then encryption is, you know, <laughs> how the world works today, right? I think a similar thing can happen because... Financial institutions are going to look at this technology and 
even conglomerates and multinationals, and they're going to look at this technology and they're going to see, okay, we can actually use this to make more money. And that's when it, you know, that's when the story flips. That is also my, my argument. Basically, the economic realities and the economic incentives, not only of, of, of the Lightning Network, but of Bitcoin itself and Bitcoin mining, are probably too strong. But then the economic incentives of the old system and keeping it all together are also very strong. I mean, they are. I mean, when you look into monetary history, they have been building this system out for 500 years. <laughs> this is not something that will just go away um, willy-nilly and just say, ah, okay, the technology is better, you know. Because basically, it's beautiful, you know. You don't need so many central bankers anymore, and they could actually, you know, produce stuff and, and add to the economy. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. But if you remember when the computer was coming into play, right, there was a lot of pushback against it as well. The thing is that we we have to remember at the end of the day, central banking is a is enabled by private uh, enterprise. And basically, everything that we have today is enabled by private enterprise. Politicians don't elect themselves; they need backers and they need funding. Right? The minute the people that are lobbying and are you know paying those politicians. They start to say, no, we want this. That's when the story changes. Because that's just how the world works, right? Politicians need funding to get elected. So they need supporters. Who are the supporters of politicians? Private com- corporations. When private corporations say, no, we actually we do want this, just like it happened with the computer, just like it happened with encryption, then politicians change their tune. And then everything changes. So I, I, I'm more positive in that respect. What, what we really need to, to show is private enterprise, how they're going to benefit from having this technology and enabling this technology. And there are very compelling use cases for them in this. When you say that um, um, Salinas Group is integrating Lightning Network. So, so can, you give me, give, can you give me examples of what they're doing? Are they using it for payments? Are they using it for internal things like MicroStrategy is doing when they turn every email address into a Lightning address? Can you give me some specifics, if, it, if it's possible? Yeah. yeah, I can tell you what they have live right now. So right now they have a company that's... Uh, uh, internet, cable, and a phone company. And every customer can right now go into their website and pay with uh, Bitcoin and pay with Lightning for their utility bill. So that's, and, and that's amazing. How many customers? That must be millions. Yeah, I think, yeah, a couple of million, like three million or so. So do, do you think that, do you think that, that it will, it will boil down to, companies accepting Bitcoin also because they realize that this is, 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 it is you know, better money or it is a money that people want to use so they just offer it as an option? Well, it's going to change because let's say right now you still see Bitcoin, right? But what happens when I give you an app, right, where it holds your balance in euros and when you go to pay, you scan a QR code like you do with Lightning, 
you get debited, I don't know, 10 euros, the merchant receives 10 euros, but the underlying technology moves through Lightning. But the merchant and you, you don't know. You just know you've got no fees on both and sides. And now in, in, in the current system, it's the merchants who pay the fees, right? I, yeah. is, the, you know, is, the, is the pain enough? Do you think the pain is enough of the fees for, the, for merchants to switch? The fees on their own, not necessarily, but there's a couple of things that go along with the fees. So one of them is chargebacks. That is very convenient for merchants, right? So in Lightning, you don't have chargebacks, uh, which it, because it's instant settlement, right? Remember, the moment the merchant receives that payment, it got executed. There's no reverse. If you want to get a chargeback is a chargeback is when I pay something with credit card and half an hour later I decide no, it's not for me and I want my money back. That's a chargeback. Okay, but the customer for the customer chargebacks are nice, right? Yeah, but the problem is that right now eighty percent of chargebacks are fraudulent. Ah, and you know merchants. It, it's a high cost. So what happens is because you know you're having chargebacks. So remember, for the customer, all of this gets baked into the price, right? So as a merchant, let's say uh, you're Walmart, and you know you're going to have X percentage of chargebacks of fraud, right? And then you also know you have X percentage of fees that you pay into the credit card. And so you come here, you do your math, and you bake that into every product price. And so every pro every product is more expensive than it could be, right? So what do you want? Cheaper prices, chargeback? I don't know. We'll we'll see what the market decides. I think the market likes cheaper. Do you think we're going to see a big names switching to this settlement layer and or using Bitcoin as an option for payments anytime soon? Like really, really, like in the West. I don't know. Um, I don't want to say any names because then there's rumors. But Yeah. Okay. So let's go with somebody that I don't think is going to be close to adopting this. That And also somebody that we haven't had conversations with. So let's say, yeah, let's say somebody like Apple, right? Now, Multinationals, if they're, if they're smart, they should already be looking into this, right? Uh, or let's say, I don't know, somebody like, uh, like, yeah, let's say Apple, because they they kind of control everything downline, down downstream, right? So you're a multinational, you have a couple of problems. The first one is currency risk. The second one is jurisdictional risk. The third one is uh, FX uh, costs, and the fourth one is liquidity pool management, right? So where do I keep my money? Now, if you had Lightning as your payment system, basically all of those problems go away, plus a couple of others. But first, your currency risk goes completely down to zero. Why? Because the moment you get paid, remember, this is all about payment streaming, right? So let's say somebody in Argentina pays for their Apple computer with, you know, Argentinian pesos, but over Lightning, they instantly get converted into Apple's base currency, which I estimate is the dollar. So it's immediately in dollars, the moment they pay. And it's immediately, 
in dollars outside of Argentina. So your jurisdictional risk also diminishes considerably just to your inventory that you hold there, right? Not inventory plus cash. Then your FX and money transfer costs go down to zero or close enough. And then your liquidity pool uh, goes costs go significantly down because you're able to centralize all your payments into one liquidity pool that goes global. I so am fascinated. If you're smart, you switch. And, and like I said, I see this as, as a privilege to get to, to dive into so many different pools of where Bitcoin changes the world. But, you know, also to get to an end, if, if I am a technology mm -hmm. company like Apple, like Google, you know, I look into AI, I look into VR, I look into mm -hmm. into um, all this other stuff, I don't know, self-driving cars. Be why? Because these are technologies that are basically changing the way we live um, and, and the speed is exponential. So you have, to, you have to be on the edge all the time. Now, Bitcoin as a technology changes the way we, we, we do commerce. Um, completely i mean from from a system that's 500 years old to a new digital first system that's global and accessible and open so from this point of view it, it's 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 impossible that these big companies are not already looking into this either either they are looking into this or they are totally oblivious which and the second one would actually be the shocking uh, one. well don't forget that there's the kind of like where you see the resistance mostly is you have a lot of systems set up to work a certain way and you have a lot of mental models that first need to change. And that's why I mean when I say education is important. And then once you have education, you also have to see it working in the wild. So that's where the process comes in where it takes a little bit of time. Like for example, even email took time to get adopted widely and as a medium of communication. And what happened was that, you know, some of the more forward looking companies started, you know, to implement email throughout their organization, right? And starting to see a, a lot of savings and a lot of more efficiency. And then the competition started getting, you know, lagging behind. And when that happened, that's when email really got adopted because you know, the competition said, okay, we need to be as good as these guys, right? So here it's it's more like it's going to happen that I believe a couple of institutions are going to start using this technology. They're going to start seeing a lot of efficiency gains. They're going to start seeing a lot of savings and they're going to gain competitive advantages that then the competitors are going to go, oh, wait, I need to get on this. And as they get on this, then, you know, this it's, snowballs. It is really exciting. What is, what is your background, by the way? How did you get into, how did you get into Bitcoin? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I think my background that helped me there was <laughs> just being from Guatemala. So, <laughs> so I first read about Bitcoin in 2012. So I read the white paper and I immediately understood its value proposition. Like it made absolute sense to me, like a money that's not controllable by any one person. It's not even about government or governments or whether the government is good or bad. 
the fact of the matter is that throughout the history of humanity, there hasn't been one person in power or a group of people in power that have not taken advantage of the ability to print money. Absolutely and, right. Absolutely right. And I really look at Bitcoin kind of, a, or not Bitcoin, I look at money as a measuring stick, right? Of some sort. Now, to me, money is really energy. That's what it's trying to measure. Kind of like calorie, kind of like watt, kind of like jewel. So it's another type of measurement for for energy. Um, but what happens, and specifically human energy to a large extent, although there's still other components, right? But human energy. Now, what is to me amazing, right, is the fact that we think that we can build, you know, with a measuring stick that constantly changes. So <laughs> it's like building, you know, a house, you design it, it has this amount of, you know, one meter is this size or whatever. And then suddenly, you know, it's, one, it's this size, then suddenly, you know, one meter is this size. What happens to your house? So, no, but, but, but the, the thing is we have, it's, it's, we have convinced ourselves that the measuring stick has to has to change all the time. There is there is hundreds of Nobel Prize laureates that will tell you yes, the measuring stick has to change. Well, they're um, out of their death. It's true, but but it's also something that 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 we have convinced ourselves. And you're right. I'm I'm just reading the the book Fraud Coin by by Rune Oscar. It's great. He's he's talking about a thousand years of inflation. It's it's the same story over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if it's the Romans or the Vikings or the, the Germans or the French. It's always the same story, you know. And now we do it. We do it again. Now we do it again. And and it's it's fascinating. And it's it, there is a poetic mm -hmm. beauty. When you say you're from Guatemala, mm -hmm. there is a beauty to to the fact that people from Guatemala and people from Argentina and people from Nigeria and people from Vietnam will get it before the French and the Germans and the Americans. Well. Yeah, some, right? I, I think there's been a lot of, of uh, really smart thinkers from, you know, the Western world that that have said exactly, you know, what I just said. And, yeah, you know, going back to Mises, uh, Hayek, um, Friedman, there's a bunch of economists uh, and that have said exactly we cannot full with money right and there's very good reasons for this so for example how i see it and here's the worst part for me right not even the money it's bad enough that we print money but this idea that we should set or that some entity should set interest rates is just asinine and i'll explain why so the interest really is this. So interest is the price of money in the future, right? You're discounting how much value you're going to get from money in the future. That's your interest rate. So if I give you 100 euros right now and I charge you 10% interest, that's what it's worth to me, right? The co opportunity cost of me not having $100 right now or 100 euros. That's what I'm pricing. What is it worth to me to have this money right now versus getting a little bit more down the line, right? 
So that's what an interest is. It's a price. Fundamentally, it's a price, right? Now, what happens when you control the price of stuff? So let's say you control the price of sugar. What happens with sugar? It disappears. Yes. Now, you're saying you're going to control the price of that thing on which everything else is priced on? And that's your price control. So if you're wondering why we don't have capitalism or why capitalism doesn't work, check check interest rates. Because we don't have free markets and we don't have capitalism. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. 100%. It's just, it's just you have to get there mentally. Um, and... and And, and, and I, it took me it took me a very very long time to as I understood it in also 2012 mm -hmm. maybe like the problem I did not see Bitcoin as a solution it took me seven years to actually <laughs> accept Bitcoin as a solution I thought it's what's gonna be gold or it's gonna be some gold thing it's, it's gonna be but gold needs the, the state and the central bank to, to function well, um, and it took me too long to, to realize it, that it's not even that gold needs that it's that so here's Oh, this is a very interesting thought experiment, right? So, so what I say is things scale in layers. This is why lightning is important, and this is why SegWit was so important. So imagine this. Gold, so when you solve for one issue, you have to usually make compromises, right? So if I want something that's a good store of value, it's going to have certain properties but it's going to lack certain other properties, right? So for example, good store of value things, usually, you know, besides the uh, things that, you know, it's immutable, it's, it's uh, scarce, it's this, it's that, right? One of the things that it is, it's also hard to move. So in the physical world, gold is very hard to move, right? Yes. And what happened was as our world was becoming global. So first with, let's say, the mercantile revolution, right, where when shipping really came into, into its strong, you know, suit, right? When that happened, you know, we needed faster money. Gold wasn't fast enough. So letters mm -hmm. of credit, the original, you know, paper money got invented because we needed more speed. Then as the Industrial Revolution came along, that wasn't fast enough. So paper money came along and then digital money, because digital money really was created the last century, right? Uh, from like the 1960s, 70s onwards, you could argue it was digital. Mm -hmm. um, now, what's, uh, what's happening is we have... Bitcoin. In this first layer, it had to make certain design compromises to make it a great store of value. But that didn't make it a great money transfer mechanism, right? It's slow, like they like to say. I agree. On-chain, Bitcoin is slow. But now we're scaling on a second layer. Now, the cool thing is that unlike, let's say, the letter of credit 
where you needed those trusted custodians. Our second layer doesn't need trusted custodians to operate, which, which makes it infinitely better, infinitely better. And so now we can actually have this settlement layer, right? Which is the value transfer layer. Now it needs Bitcoin to operate and it needs Bitcoin to operate honestly. We can't do this if it's not on Bitcoin. But now that it's on Bitcoin, we can move anything on top of it. Dollars, euros, you know, eventually securities. Because we're just settling, you know, transactions. And if we're just settling transactions, right? And the first assets are going to be monetary assets, but the Second assets are going to be securities, stock, bonds. The third assets are going to be derivatives. And now what happens when you, you know, consolidate on the same settlement layer all of your financial products? It's going to be an explosion of productivity, I believe. But that means that all this talk about, you know, we tokenize this and we tokenize that and we're putting this and that on the blockchain. Some of this is going to happen, but it's going to come to Bitcoin. Yes. And it's not going to be on the other on the other chains. I don't believe so. No, because you to be really efficient, you want to be on only one. Blockchain yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I, one, I see one that. I see that. Right? But that story, that story about, you know, tokenize this, tokenize that and, and, and financial products. Mm -hmm. So there's this, this deeply ingrained story, especially about Ethereum, that Ethereum cannot do all these things and Bitcoin cannot. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that with the help of the Lightning Network, Bitcoin can actually do them. If they make sense, it's another question, but technically it's possible. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Jose. Jose, we can we could do this forever. So we are going to we are going to do a second part at some point. Um, okay. And because because I think I, I, I feel we barely scratched the surface, but we already are at the, the hour mark. So please let me know um, where can we find Ibex? Where can we find you online? Um, give us the, the details. OK, myself, please. Uh, on Twitter at J.L.L.E.M.U.S. Um, uh, ibex at powered by ibex on twitter as well and mm -hmm. at powered no sorry at ibex pay that's on twitter as yes, well IBEX that's pay. for uh that's for our merchant payment solution then on the web you can have powered by ibex.io and ibexpay.io if you need a merchant payment solution. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for mentioning how important um, education is because that's basically what I do and that always sounds good to my ears. Um, and I hope you have a great day over in Mexico City. Your day only starts. So um, thanks for taking the time and I'll see you again. Thank you, Nico. And I hope to talk to you soon. more content, articles, and podcasts like this, go to fixthemoney.net. How long was your shitcoin phase? What was your favorite shitcoin?